Welcome to Rise Up For You, a unique podcast dedicated to uplifting women in their day-to-day life. Through interviews with various experts on relationships, investing, self-worth, entrepreneurship, and more, this podcast is committed to spreading knowledge to all women. Rise Up For You, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with Mario Gajiola an experienced actor, writer, director, and poet with over 35 years of accomplishments in the theater industry. He's the artistic director, founder of the Theater District, and today he continues to mentor and guide hundreds of young adults in life through his incredible story and passion for the stage. He's going to share with us how he overcame the troubles in his childhood and created a successful career in mentorship and theater. Be prepared to be inspired. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mario. You're very welcome. I want to meet this person. <laughs> Can you um, tell us a little bit about yourself in just a few sentences? Oh, if I could do that, I wouldn't be in therapy for 30 years. Um, I can tell you that I'm very lucky right now in my life to be doing what I love, uh, giving back, which is the most important thing to me right now because all of those years mean nothing of not just surviving but thriving and a lot of luck and a lot of blessings so that I can give back to these lovely young people and maybe help them along the way. Wonderful. So I know that you have an incredible journey which I've been able to hear about a little bit a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Do you mind sharing a little bit from the beginning? I don't to... mind at all, no. When I was nine years old, I was living most of the time with my mother. My mother, biological mother and father, broke up. Um, they were beyond, you know, dysfunctional, doesn't cut it. Um, they were violent, uh, both imprisoned, and then both deported. I was, in fact, an American citizen. I was born here. In that time, children didn't have child advocates. So when, when they came to pick my mother up, there I was. And it was the FBI, police, and they were going to escort us to the closest border, which was Tijuana. And in 1959, it wasn't what it is today. It's not exactly a lovely metropolitan town, but at the time, it was simply dirt, shacks, and uh, dangerous. Um, I can still smell, in my mind, the town. So we got in the car, and I can remember looking out the back window as we crossed the border. And as we crossed the border, the asphalt that was in the United States and the cement was gone. Everything was dirt. And the dirt was dry. And the dust flew in the air. And I couldn't see the United States anymore. So I didn't know what was happening. But I turned around, and we kept driving, and we ended up in, you can't call it a house, it was just simply boards that had been nailed together with a bucket for a shower. And I didn't see my mother after that for uh, almost two years. I hit the street and knew right away 
I'm going to have to survive. And I wandered the streets, needed to find out. But I was not, I, I was a strong kid. I wasn't, uh, I didn't feel like a victim, I just felt confused. And I had instinctually realized I'm going to have to make this on my own because my mother was nowhere to be found. Once in a while, I'd run into her. Well, one night, this comes back to theater. One night, I'm walking down this, uh, this uh, dirt road and uh, even a planked sidewalk. And about 50 feet away, there's this elderly, indigenous, beautiful, wrinkled man with a fire an Indian corn, which is the, the, the kernels are brightly colored, and when they pop, it's like uh, fireworks. Mm-hmm. And in, in, the, in 1959, there were a lot of uh, French-Canadian tourists and, and such, and I'd been exposed to a few languages, so I saw them and I knew what they were talking about, but it smells so good, and I was very hungry. And so I got a little closer and trust was an issue he saw me he didn't, he didn't aggressively ask me to come over or anything but I got as far as I could then the next night I got a little closer and then I saw that he had a burro there and I thought I want to play with that animal the next night I was really tired I, I, I don't even know if I'd slept I was tired I was hungry, I was confused, and I got closer and close enough that he just, just with his finger said, come on over here, and pointed towards this very bleached wooden bench, sun bleached. And he had an Indian blanket, very scratchy, but heavy. And I just laid there and I, and I went to sleep, and I felt safe which was an issue, and still is an issue today. I woke up, and I got to eat whatever corn of the corn that was left. And he just sat with me, and that fire was so warm. Actually, that fire was my first theater lighting. Well, we talked. And from then on, I showed up at the same time, and I, he taught me the stories of the Indian corn. Every color in that Indian corn had a myth behind it. And he would tell, he would t- tell me. And he was very theatrical about it. I thought he was 100 years old, but he's probably the same age I am now. And then I would translate those stories to the tourists. And I'd stood on the bench, which was my first, the first planks I stood on, and then the Indian blanket, I realized I didn't want them to see me, so I just put it up in front of me, and then I dropped it. And then I started telling the stories. And I was pretty animated, and I was having fun. And the audience, the, the people that gathered were having fun. He was selling corn. It was a win-win situation. So I did that for I don't know how long. But then one night, I went back, and he was gone. No sign of him anywhere. And I remember just turning around and walking away and going straight to, well, now what am I going to do? 
what am I going to do? How am I going to live? And I missed him a lot. I thought of him as a, I didn't know the term mentor, but he was certainly that. And he was, in fact, the first director I ever had, probably the best director I ever had, because he made me, he shared the passion, and I, 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 I caught it. I caught it. And then one day, I would go back and try to check if my mother was around. And sure enough, she was there. And she was oddly painting an old piece of luggage. Well, what she had done was sell me back to a family in the United States for $500. And she was planning to return to Europe. I thought, she said, you're going back to the United States. I thought for a vacation. Uh, No matter how poor of a mama she was, I loved her, and every little boy thinks their mother's the most beautiful woman in the world. So I, I forgave her of everything, stood up for her. Well, I got back to the United States. I had this little, little suitcase. There was nothing in it. She didn't put anything in it. So I had what I had on my back, and I stayed with that family. Then the odd thing was, when I started, I had to learn conversational English in about three months in order to enter school. And I had years before lived with my grandfather who was at the time the governor of Sinaloa. And my uncle was the senator. He had exposed me to beautiful music because he saw me respond to it. Classical music. He would have guests come dance. And so before this odd life, I had this lovely, charming life. So later on, um, I get into high school and I'm listening and the family is letting teachers take me to concerts and things because they trust the teachers. Then later, uh, I join the service, I come back, I meet uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bernard Herman. And once again, I'm rescued. Because I was only 17 when I went into the Air Force. Well, Mrs. Herman especially... Why did you choose that path, if you don't mind me asking? What, music? Yeah, joined the Air Force. I was in a very, very uh, volatile, dangerous uh, foster home, a group home. And uh, most of my, all of my experiences were that. Uh, The woman was diagnosed later, uh, uh, paranoid schizophrenic, and she would lock me in the garage uh, over the weekend um, with the dog that I loved, Skipper. Um, and I, there was no way that I could not do something because I never knew what it was going to be. And she was very physically abusive. And it was nothing compared to my biological father. So it didn't, didn't uh, touch me nearly compared to when I was uh, even younger and uh, took the abuse, as my brother did, of my father. And my mother knew what was going on and never did anything about it. So I was kind of accustomed to uh, abuse. So it was just the levels of abuse. But as I got a little older, I realized and understood English better 
that if I could get the, whoever I was living with at the time to sign papers, I could get into the Air Force. And, and, and you must remember this was during a war. So the, the chances of being deployed to Vietnam were high, but it was a much better choice. It was an easy choice because I would have never, my soul, if nothing else, would have been killed. I was just shamed uh, and physically abused until I got out of there. So basic training to me was a five-star hotel. And then from then on, I, I decided I'm going, to, I'm going to pilot my own life. And I did. I, I was guilty of not trusting well, but still willing to love. And then I gave up on that. And then one day, one day, I, I, was, I was applying for a job. And the woman on the phone said, that's, that's great. Uh, can you just show up on Monday? And I said, okay. And Joan walked in the door. And the door faced the outside. So the outside, and it was huge glass windows. And she came in dark against that light. And as she entered, she became more visible. I absolutely now fell in love. And I said to myself, I never thought love would feel like this. I'm going to marry her. I was 22 years old that day. And I'm 66 as of now, and we've been married ever since then. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing. Ever since then. And she's been right there with me, by my side, producing, um, cleaning the theaters. I had, we had Charlie Chaplin's Theater for 11 years. We had three other theaters. And now I'm thrilled to be here. I get to look at these people that were exactly my age when I escaped the system, and I get to share with them through art, not psychology, through art, how wonderful it can affect you and the world. These young people are going to change the world that my particular generation, I think, messed up. And thank God for them. And nothing can do it better than art. A beautiful song, nothing. Nothing. And I've heard your voice. And it altered me. I'll never forget it. I'm a better person because I heard that voice. And what it said to me was, there are beautiful things still there, Mario. Just don't, don't be res so responsible all the time that you forget to stop and listen or look at something beautiful. Feed yourself the art. Because you end up giving so much all the time mm -hmm. that... You forget to refill. You forget to refill. And you did that for me that day. Thank you. And here I am. <laughs> here I am, and I'm very happy and grateful. Yeah. So I'd like to know, because I also work with a lot of... Um, people in general that are older and younger that sure. have also gone through because your journey is uh, quite remarkable mm -hmm. a good number of them don't 
make it past that. And they let it affect them. They let it affect their success. They let it affect loving somebody else. And their self-worth is pretty much diminished. So how did you, as a young adult, push through that and motivate yourself to know that there was something better ahead? They took no effort. As a child, no matter what happened to me, and I, I don't think I even have to tell you, I think I'm sure you know what happened to me. It did not stop me. My mind passed it up, closed the memory of it for that moment. I was not a person to forget for years, but I could go to sleep afterwards. I always believed the world was wonderful. I really did believe there was a never-never land. Nobody could take it from me. It was, the, it was mine, and nobody could have it. You couldn't beat it out of me. You couldn't anything it out of me. So what, why I had that and my brother didn't, I don't know. But what you're sharing with me is much what I went through with my brother. My brother remained a victim of it. I was going to fix him. I was going to love him enough to fix it for him. We shared the same pain. I knew what he was talking about. I felt lucky because I had someone in my life that loved me. We were reunited after 27 years by, oddly enough, the Dutch embassy. And I couldn't fix him. And he ended up dying in the street. And I almost destroyed my life and the life of the person I loved the most, uh, my wife, by trying to rescue him. The only thing that I believe you can do is share your story with somebody that you can relate to. Let them know, I haven't lived in a beige condominium all my life. And then they have that in their hands. And if they don't see it, help them see it. Guide them. But they have to make choices. I can't make those choices. I couldn't make those choices for my brother. But falling down once in a while, there's nothing wrong with that. I'll be there and do whatever I can. I know what it's like for someone to say, if you can't love yourself today, let me love you for you. And I I will do that, and I will do it endlessly until luckily somebody will say, Mario, it's enough. You've done enough. And no, it doesn't feel good, but what better reason to remain alive? What, what, What better reason? Why am I here and my brother isn't? I don't have the answer for that, but I do have the willingness to share and give as much as I can. And more than not, people respond. Because they just need the opportunity. A lot of us simply don't have the opportunity. Even with my history, I was given opportunities. I don't know if that was a God, the universe, luck. I don't know what it was. But I took the opportunity. I listened to that beautiful music. I listened to you sing. And I wanted to live. And I wanted to give back. 
And that's what I'm doing in this chapter in my life. For anyone that's listening out there, do you have any, if yes, they're in a situation, what are some last couple tips that you can give them to help motivate them? Don't, don't go through anything alone. You don't have to go through anything alone. I've been lonely and I've been alone. They're two very different things. But much like passion and obsession, they, they can both grab you. They're both seductive. One, the passion, for instance, is always, the cup is always full. You can't empty it. Obsession robs me and robs you. Don't be alone. People want to help. It's a gift to somebody else sometimes when they get to say, really, I can help you? But sometimes we just think shamefully, not, not embarrassed. I can be embarrassed and get through it, but shame can kill me, even if I am not at fault. Shame can still kill me. So understanding those sounds like a simple process is not simple. You need that person, and then you need that person to be there consistently. When you mess up, to still say, it's okay. We're going to get through this. If, if you're trying, I'm there. I'm trying too, you know. Yeah, I made it, but I have bad days. We all have bad days. But I'm never alone. My goodness, I'm sitting here talking to you, and on the right side of me is, is Joan, the person that has gone through all kinds of illnesses in the last three years, is on her feet and helping me. So we don't have to go through anything alone. I didn't go through it alone in Mexico. That man was there for me. And what time we had together, made me realize the time you and I have together. I need it just as much today as I needed it when I was nine years old. No matter how accomplished anyone thinks I am or anything that I've succeeded at, those feelings don't go away and we still need each other. We still need to reach out and say, I need help. And to not feel bad about it. It's a very odd piece of our culture. I can break my leg, I can be diagnosed with cancer, but I cannot ever freely, comfortably, to this day, ask for emotional help. I want to be a part of breaking that and making people comfortable reaching out to someone like you or myself or to Joan and say, I need your help. I'm really in a tough spot. I, I've heard you speak before, but this is the first time that I, I guess, was ready to let it sink in. I think I was a, a lot younger, maybe seven, eight years ago when it's I heard you. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. And uh, I think I'm at a mature place in my life where now I get it and I retained it where before it was... Well, sometimes... Uh, you know, everything is relative. Right. Um, Joan, when we first met uh, and we talked, Joan would say, oh, my, I, I've been through things, uh, but nothing like that. And, you know, that's not the deal. The deal is everything is relative. Something 
can shake you up just as much as things shook me up. It might not have been the same experience or on the same level. But sometimes you need to reach out and say, I'm going through this. I'm not going to say, nor anyone like me in my position. Are you kidding me? That's all you're t- talking about? No, that's not what you do. That's not what you do. It's relative. It's relative. Life throws things at you, and depending on where you're at, you just need to reach out. And remember, you don't have to be alone through anything. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you, it's a pleasure, and thank you for sharing your story with us. I appreciate it. I, it was my privilege. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about Mario, check him out at masariogahiola.com. That's M-A-C-A-R-I-O-G-A-X-I-O-L-A.com. I'll be sure to put it up on the webpage for you there. Have a great day. Well, that's the end of our show today. Don't forget to subscribe to our blog at riseupforyou.com as well as follow us on Twitter at riseupforyou. Most importantly, please subscribe to our podcast as well as share it with other women. You help keep this show alive and your support by subscribing is worth all the money in the world. Rise up for you, be better today than yesterday and prepare for a greater tomorrow.